Hey, Realtors. If you're listening to this right now, it means you're serious about your business. Remember, if you need a little help implementing any of the strategies you hear on this podcast, go to boarddigital.com and book a time to talk. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Real Marketers Podcast. On today's episode, we host Michael Pacito, founder and CEO of MarketPy, an ad agency based out of Ontario, Canada. This is an episode you won't want to miss. Today, we'll have a candid discussion about what it's like to be a business owner while on the autism spectrum and suffering from ADHD. We ask hard-hitting questions and we don't pull any punches. We'll shed some light on what it means to be successful through this adversity and defying odds to accomplish things that naysayers simply didn't see coming. I'm Oliver Bohr, and this is The Real Marketers Podcast. Thank you, Michael, for being on the show. How are you? Doing fantastic, man. Doing fantastic. I'm really excited to have you here. But so before we do get personal, because there's going to be plenty of time for that, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself and your agency, MarketPie? Uh, for sure. So again, my name's Mike. I'm with a little agency called MarketPie. We started a couple of years ago. We're a team of five marketers currently, uh, slowly growing. And what we're really about is trying to just grow the pie for everybody. Because business isn't just about the business side. The business is also affecting the people that are in the business. And it's also affecting all of the people in your community. Because when there's a lot of strong communities, there's a lot of, uh, there's a strong sort of business community, then you actually have a strong community because those same businesses then invest in their local community and that. So for us, we recognize that and we're always, those are the businesses that we really want to help. So you mentioned about the pie. I'm just kind of curious, uh, a little bit deeper into that analogy. I'm just not quite getting it. For sure. Well, when we were doing our uh, brainstorming for a brand, we were kind of talking about our values of community, uh, you know, personal responsibility, all those other kind of fun things. And we started realizing that a pie kind of represented that. It's a pie is usually something that you can give. You share it with multiple people. And then, you know, there's some more direct analogies, like we're growing the pie for everybody. Pie can represent math and all that. As a interesting side note, uh, we didn't realize this at the time because the guy who did the branding for us didn't know my birthday, but my birthday is March 14th, which is oh, awesome. three, one, four, which is pie. Oh, come so, on, that's so cool. <laughs> So that was just luck. Just, yeah, just a little bit of, well, it was meant to be, I think. It was 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 kind of a sign to show me that, yes, this is the path that we need to go on. (laughs) Take the path of the pie. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so so I actually followed you a little bit before I asked you to come onto the show. Um, We were in similar ad ad agency owner Facebook groups and networks, but you posted something a little while ago that I shared within my network and to my family, my friends, and it really resonated with me. Um, and right after I read it, I reached out to you actually to thank you for writing it. Um, and then I decided that I had to get you on the show. So not only did I thank you for kind of giving me the voice to something that I had always, uh, I had always, um, I guess thought of, but I couldn't quite articulate, but I also wanted to get you on the show. Cause I think there's a lot of other people like this. So if you're okay with this, I'm going to read the post that caught my attention. So my audience has some context for what I'm going to talk about. So please, please do. And I'm really, uh, I'm really grateful that you got some value out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So here goes. Ever wonder what it's like having ADHD? It's like trying to eat healthy if the only thing that tasted good was high fructose corn syrup. Dopamine is the chemical in your brain that rewards you for doing things. With ADHD, you don't have the receptors in your brain to get enough. So the only things you ever feel like doing are things that are instant gratification, new, interesting, or exciting. I'm often called lazy, disorganized, disinterested, 
not committed. I've lost a lot of relationships because people have taken my actions personally, like I just don't care. But the reality is I work incredibly hard. I'm a very process-oriented person that is a master at organizing systems and complex problems. And I go all in on the projects I'm part of with max enthusiasm. And I care about people, my friends and family, a lot. I just have trouble with the execution. Doing something like picking up the phone and calling a loved one that I've been thinking about nonstop just to say, hey, thinking about you, is hard when all I can think about is watching YouTube videos. I lose track of time incredibly easy. And if left to be on my own, I'd probably just play video games all day long like I used to. I've learned to deal with it by surrounding myself with people who can help me. In business, I rely on a personal assistant who works with me one-on-one to manage my time and keep me focused. I outsource all the client work to my team and I focus on solving the more interesting and complicated problems that holds my brain's interest. I don't use ADHD as an excuse. I just recognize that I'm different and that life goes really badly if I don't have a support system in place. Finally, ADHD has its upsides. Someone with ADHD is 600% more likely to start a business than the average person. Why is that? Because just like a video game, a business creates a never-ending set of problems and new situations to solve. Where I used to play video games for 16 hours a day and never get tired, if I get in a proper position in my business, I can put that obsessive mind to good use. And just like with any sugar, there are some incredible highs that I go through when things are good and my focus is in the right place. There are the sugar crashes when I literally can't be bothered to do anything basic, like remembering to shower, eat, or to not try and correct a person online that is wrong. So first off, phenomenal. <laughs> Honestly, I think you should have been a Pulitzer Prize for that. So the, this post said many things that I had thought about for a while, but like I said before, I couldn't quite articulate them. And being that this podcast is for realtors and entrepreneurs, a demographic that from my experience often suffers from some kind of learning quote unquote disability, I felt like I needed to get you on the show to articulate things that others possibly know, but can't quite put into words. So what motivated you to write something like that on Facebook and what does living with ADHD mean for you? Yikes. Those are some big questions. Um, (laughs) uh, What motivated me to write it? Uh, I think just every single day life. Um, Another thing, one thing that I've really had to struggle with for a long time was, you know, was who I am. And I think anyone who has some sort of mental health issues or disorders or whatever you want to call them, I mean, I don't look at them as a disorder or a disease. I look at it as this is just how my brain is. And these are the, as I said, that accountability part of just realizing that, okay, you know, I can't expect the whole world to just change and change for me and just, you know, lay out a red carpet, right? But at the same time, I need to be able to communicate what's happening in my head to people that aren't going to put in the same amount of time to understand. So I've spent many years trying to explain this very simply. And I think the reason why I had to make that post was that I think it finally started clicking in my head how to explain what I'm kind of going through. And not just what I'm going through is in a, oh, poor me here, but this is what I'm going through. And here's the set of solutions that I need to be able to counteract that. So the idea of the sugar analogy, uh, I was just thinking about uh, back when I used to, I used to eat a ton of sugar. All I would have for, I didn't think vegetables tasted good. There was no flavor to them. There was, there was no reason for me to eat a vegetable other than I probably should eat more vegetables my tastes 
and the only thing I could think, the only thing that registered as a taste for me was something that had lots of sugar in it. And that's something that I think everyone can kind of understand that when you cut out that high sugar, that, that really high level kind of a, a flavor out of your life, and you can, all of a sudden your body starts to kind of regulate itself and it starts adapting to the level of flavor that you're giving it. And if all you're giving it is vegetables, all of a sudden the, the subtle flavors in there start coming out. That experience I kind of said, you know what, that's something that people can understand because they've gone through it. Most lots of people have gone through that experience of, you know, of taste and how it changes over time. And so, yeah, that was why I had to do it was because it was partly for me, but then it's also, to test my ideas as a marketer, I don't come with all the answers. I come with, I need to just test the things out in the field. So I threw it out there. And if people resonated with it, then I know I'm on the right path. Right. If I get no response or people questioning or arguing, then it's not that they're not understanding. It's that I'm not articulating the situation accurately enough. So, uh, that's the first part of the question, yeah. <laughs> which is why I did it. Right. Um, as far as well, what does it mean to me to be, to have attention deficit while, uh, being in business? Um, you know, that one's a tough one. I think the big thing that we all struggle with is that fitting in and also that whole guilt that's kind of on us because we don't function like normal people because the normal advice and it's good advice for, I think most people is, you know, you just try a little harder. You need to just focus a little more. Uh, I remember a story or remember a, a situation my whole life. I've always had issues of thinking before I speak and I would just start talking and it might not make sense. And the advice I was always given was Mike, why don't you just right before you speak, take five seconds, 10 seconds, and think about what you want to say. And I would do that. And then nothing would happen. Like I would just, I sit here, I try and visualize what I'm trying to say and nothing, like literally nothing goes on. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so I think back to all those times and just going, realizing that common sense doesn't work. Uh, so I need to be just be more aware of what does work. So yeah. I think that's what it really means to me is, is that I just is coming to terms with what actually I need help with. And I said the solution in my, in my case is I needed to get an assistant. I have an assistant every single day. Yeah. Uh, I, I outsource that. I outsource the thing I'm bad at, which is remembering things, prioritizing things, uh, focusing on things. And it's been a life changer. Yeah. Well, um, it's funny. Every time you say something, I'm like, I'm with all of my strength trying to not digress down that because there's so many ways to go. Right. We got time, man. Let, let's, let's digress. Well, let's one of the in. first things that you said that I really liked was you were relating it back to sugar. And the way that I saw it when I read the post is you've done one very simple thing, but you're, it's just a very simple paradigm shift. And all you've done is by making it about sugar instead of ADHD, you've taken the exact same parallel and removed the stigma. And then all of a sudden, Oh, everything makes sense. And I think that's one of the great things about that post is you talk in such simple terms. You don't have sugar. You normally have sugar. You love it. You want it really badly. Like, what are you going to do? You're going to crave it all the time. It's not just like, well, just, just ignore it. Like you can't just do that. So that was one of the things that I really liked. And the other thing that you were saying also is that I think you actually said that you think before you speak, but I think what you meant to say is that oftentimes you speak before you think. So, yes. so I actually have 
with my wife, for example, like she knows this. Oftentimes when we're trying to figure something out, I'll kind of like sort of spitfire. Like I'll go and if it doesn't make sense and I'll tell her, like even if sometimes if we're having like a disagreement and I'll say, well, sometimes you do this and it's totally inaccurate and it's totally false to which I've built up a relationship with her and I've told her if that happens, just let me backtrack. So I say to her, okay, let's go back about 10 seconds. Try to pretend I didn't say that. So sometimes mm-hmm. it works. Sometimes it's harder. Um, but like you're saying, like there's so much that you're saying. Well, that- what I learned, I, I learned actually something about that. Um, there's a guy, his name is Dr. Charles Barclay, I think. And he does, he's like a head person on attention deficit. And what he said, not for everyone, but uh, a majority of attention deficit cases you can sum it also up as a lack of being able to visualize. So I'm not sure if you run into the issue where you get in your car to go drive somewhere. And if the place you're driving is slight, is a, taking a slightly different than the place you always end up, you can sometimes end up just kind of going down. Like, like for instance, I used to go to a, an office all the time. So I would take the same path every day, go to the office. And if I was going to a new place, I, what usually people do is they visualize maybe the map that they have to do to get there. But for me, I get in the car and I start driving towards where I think it is. But when I get to the place where I would usually turn left to go to the office and I should be turning right to go to the clients, I actually just follow the path to the the office because I haven't, I don't have in my visualized map that I need to go somewhere, go somewhere different. And then that's the same with speaking. I, I can only work on things if I speak them. My, my brain only works once I've said it. So as you said, that's really cool about backtracking is you need to let people know in your life that, hey, I'm going to say things and that's how I figure them out is yeah. I say them, get them wrong, and then I backtrack. <laughs> yeah, no, a hundred percent. I mean, it's so important. Like, and it's, it's, it's sort of like to go through life expecting everybody to know that about you. Like, obviously that's unrealistic, but as long as the people who are closest to you and who need to know that, like, sometimes if I say something and you know what, like, I think the people in your, in, in well, in our lives and anybody who, who has this also, they have to be commended also because it's not easy to just let someone backtrack, you know, cause you've said it. it, it's too late, but they have to be like, no, it's not too late. You didn't mean it or she didn't mean it. And I think it's a, it's a real credit to their part as well. Um, so do God you bless take our wives for, for their patience. <laughs> I always say about my wife, I say like, well, I tell people who like who are budding entrepreneurs and we're going to get into this in a second, but it's not like I'm an entrepreneur and like my wife's just along for the ride. Like she has to be an entrepreneur. She has to get it. She has to buy in because if she doesn't like, so it's the same thing. But so do you take medication for this? Uh, I've not gone down that route. Uh, no, I've been very, I was, uh, I'm all for medication. Um, I've talked to all the ex, not talked, but I've, watched all the experts and met and I've talked to people that have gotten benefits from it. Me personally, I, it's, it's been a kind of a struggle. Like, should I, shouldn't I, like I see people that have had some magnificent results. Um, I've managed to find a way where I'm fairly functional with an assistant. Um, and I think there's some other things I can do with it. And again, I'm not opposed to medication, but I just haven't gone down that route yet. Right. Okay. So something that I often say is that in school, I never needed accommodations. And I think this is something that you were talking about before. I didn't need accommodations. I needed modifications. So a good example of this is if you think about it, school is quite outdated in that it's, it's, uh, it's, they value the retention of information 
primarily first, first and center. When what's interesting is, as Gary Vaynerchuk said, knowledge is a commodity now. You no longer need to remember all of the details about the War of 1812. You just don't need to anymore because you can look it up. That's not to say that there's no value in just educating our kids before they have the need to look it up, obviously. But that is to say that it definitely shouldn't be first and center. And so where I would struggle with very simple, let's say even pop quizzes or quizzes or whatever, and it would get my mind going crazy because I couldn't even understand the question. Yet we would have sometimes projects where we would have to, I don't know, build the most complex things. Or I remember we had one project where we had to uh, create a tourism pamphlet for a fictitious place. Like, and it was brilliant. And I, and I created this way more than I needed to. And I just let my mind go. And it was brilliant. And I think the thing is, is that we don't allow for that part of the brain to be exercised. And we're leaving kids behind. So like I always said, is, is I never needed accommodations, but I needed modifications. Did you ever feel the same way? Um, I didn't in the moment. I, what's funny for me is, is that I, I came from a background and a family that just said you push through things. Right. Yeah. And I kind of, and I think there's a lot of value in that way of thinking because we're all struggling with things and everyone's dealing with something. And you just, at the end of the day, we all got to just learn how to push through some certain levels of adversity. But I never thought about it until it was going through some challenges that I went through in my last couple of years that I really had to deal with my brain and how it works. And when I did, and I started realizing that um, I have attention deficit or disorder, I'm on the uh, autism spectrum as well. All of a sudden, and when I look back, I go, oh, that's why like I did really well in school in some places. And I was like, you know, on the gifted track and all that. But then at the other times that I just didn't achieve things and was almost borderline like stupid. And it was because it was that I could then recognize that the areas that I fell short in had everything to do with how my brain works. Uh, for instance, you said remembering details. It's so funny because I never, I can't remember any details but I remember concepts and processes really, really well. So I could tell you, I'll, I'll digest, I'll obsess over an article, I'll learn everything about there is to know from it. And then all my brain remembers is what to do and what not to do based on this information. I don't remember the, the sources for the information. I don't remember the examples that were used. I don't remember the names of the people and the relevant people that, that told me this information. All I can remember is that feeling of, okay, in this situation, I do this. In this situation, I do this. But if someone asked me, Mike, why are you doing that? I would go, um, uh, because, and I, can't, and I can't get it out. So yeah. So let me I just ask you on that, in, in that thing that you're describing right now, because I sometimes have conversations with people, um, whether it's about politics or methods um, of doing things, and I'll say like, you know, this is what to do. And I, I personally hate it when people like give unqualified opinions on things like for me i'm not talking unless i really know what i'm talking about but sometimes I, i'll say this and i say like well, where, where where do you know this from like did you just make it up and i'm like no that that thing that I, and then it sounds like you're totally just i read it once i'm like that's it and you 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 totally this it disqualifies your opinion and what you're saying and it's 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 unfortunate like do you find that that happens also oh huge um Anytime, especially if you're dealing with either parents or family or trying to explain to someone why you're doing something or why you've, you've maybe, you know, forgotten something. And then you try and remember all of the details. I, I also find it now, this might be more on my, uh, the, my autism side of things, 
because I have a lot of trouble um, with either reading people and getting a sense of, you know, a lot of body language and, you know, those subtle cues. I don't get a lot of that from people. So when I get into an argument with somebody, it's, it always becomes this thing of, well, trying to trace the argument back to where it started going wrong. And most arguments happened like weeks ago and they started building and building and building and then things happen. I don't remember any of those things. I just remember the, I just know what I should be trying to do right now or, and, but when we try and go back in the past of things or explain, oh, well, this is why I did this, this and this, you know, and this is, all those things, I can't remember those details. So yeah, it happens often. And how I've learned to deal with it is to, you know, I need to live my life in a way where I, I don't think about those, need to think about those details. Right. I deal with moving forward. I deal with, here's what's happening right now. Here's what I can observe now. Right. And here's where I want to go. And, and the more I get myself thinking in those terms, the less I'm playing in the you know, the politics or arguments or those sort of things is I just focus on where I'm trying to go and what we have to do from now to get yeah. there. So uh, yeah, could possibly a way of, 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 cause I've never articulated that before, but I know that I have some obsessive need anytime there's an issue to talk it out. Like we're not moving on. Like we got to talk about right here, right now. And I don't think it's exactly what you're saying, but I'm thinking maybe it might be a good thing to do that while like, instead of letting things build up, cause I also, I can't just like leave things. I can't sweep things under the rug. Everything has to be spoken about right now, right now, mm -hmm. now. So is that maybe something that, that also could be done for people who are experiencing this, that they don't remember the details. So it's like things kind of get swept under the rug. And then when they build up, it's like, you don't have the context and all of the background necessary to have that conversation. Might you be able to sort of talk about things as they come up, no matter how tedious it is. Um, again, I'm not an expert on, on, uh, on these sort of things, but what I would say is, is, is that just, we spend so much time thinking about our own mindset and our own space on how we, you know, our own challenges. Um, what we also have to think about is if we're having some issues is we have to think about the mindset of the person we're dealing with, um, and understand how do we need to communicate to them in a way that we can work together, right? Uh, so I, I would definitely saying is, and so why I think focusing on the goal is important is because that's something you can both work on. Um, I, I think another thing is that has been a, a really big part of, of life that I've learned is forgiveness and also just owning up to mistakes, even if you're only 1% wrong. And I'm not, it's easy for me to say this, living it is different, but if you just say, you know what, I screwed up, sorry about that, but I really want to work on this together and move forward with you on this. Even if there was 99% that other person, right. what you've just done is you've gotten rid of, you've gotten out of the game of trying to figure out the details. You've gotten rid of the past side. So remembering when you can't remember what just happened, you yeah. know, and you now have something that you can both focus on and agree on, which is where are we trying to go? Um, right. And then again, I think you need to also think about, you, and it's hard, but you need to think about the person you're talking to. If you're talking to an emotional person, sometimes you need to give them space. And even yeah. if you want to deal with it right now, you have to build up a skill set uh, to let some of those things go. Yeah. Uh, and some people, they can't, I mean, again, again, we're talking about compulsion sides. That's where maybe medication is if you're so, but again, you have to talk to a professional to figure out where are you. For me, 
I'm lucky enough that I'm in a spot where I know there's some things I'll just never be able to do, but then there is a lot of things that I can still control and manage by just with some, a little bit of willpower and a lot of help from other people. But yeah. Right. Um, what are some common traits that people misassociate with you? <laughs> Again, a lot of people think I don't care because I don't, I don't message anybody. Um, again, I'm also partly on the autism spectrum. So things like emotions and relationships, like normal social cues and social relationships, social contracts, like reciprocation and all things like that. I don't intuitively get them. And because the world, most people rely on those things and they say, Hey, I sent Mike a message and you know i i reached out to him one day why doesn't he reach back out or you know those sort of things um a lot of people misinterpret that that i'm not thinking about them because my actions don't show the things that i do however i could spend on the attention i i could think about a person every single day and be like man i'm really you know i really want to hang out with that person again or i wonder how they're doing or i, I saw that they're going through something and i really want to help them but then I can never get to the point where I just pick up, why don't I just pick up the phone and call? And if somebody doesn't know me really well, they could interpret that as Mike doesn't care. Uh, Mike's kind of rude or self-centered because all he thinks about is himself. Meanwhile, I'm sitting here going, all I do all day is worry about thinking about everyone and all the people that I haven't called and feel guilty about not calling. And it's like, I care super deeply. I just, have the trouble of when it comes to figuring out what should I do right now, going back to that sugar analogy is, you know, but there's this other article that I could be reading right now. That's really interesting. And it's about politics and I really got to know it right now. Right. And when I explain that to people, again, it makes it worse. And one of those things is, is just trying to be as authentic and open about it as possible. Cause when I tell people, look, this is what I'm dealing with. And I think about you, you greatly. Um, I'm going to fall short and, you know, I appreciate you, your patience. And if you have that, you have to build those sort of relationships that way. Otherwise, yeah. Uh, you, you can, that's one of the things that I can, that I run into often. Yeah. I, one of my best friends actually right now, like the way the relationship kind of started was he would text me a lot, like just memes or whatever it was. And I would never respond. And I would actually, when I'd see him, I'd, I'd thank him. And I'd say like, I'm so sorry. I don't really know why. And I can't help the fact that I just don't text you back. I, I, I like, I appreciate it. Keep trying, keep trying. And it's such a, it's such a, a crazy thing to ask someone to do. Keep trying, even though I'm going to make it difficult. And I'm telling you that in the future, I'm not going to reciprocate, but you keep on trying. But like he did. And like now it's blossomed into one of my, uh, he's one of my best friends. So I absolutely get what you're saying there. So I want to ask about your experience when you were younger. What, what was your experience like in school? Oh, that's crazy. I was a bounce off the wall, crazy person. Like I was probably the weirdest person. One of the weirdest. I, like if you think in a school and there's like the top five weirdos in the school, I'm not going to claim that I was the weirdest, <laughs> but I was definitely. It always def goes yeah. to the kid that smells like pee for some reason. There's always a kid in the class that smells like pee. Well, I wasn't, okay, not that level. Weird. Like, <laughs> when I say weird, like I'm talking about like crazy says weird things, does weird things just totally doesn't relate to anybody. Um, again, uh, I didn't realize it before that I didn't know how to read people. I didn't know how to pick up social cues. I was literally going through life just trying to find some way of, and I was all almost all internal, right? Like I, 
well, on the autism side, and this is a big thing to get into, but really I have flow charts for how I react in situations. And it's kind of weird to go through life that way. And I think back when into school, it's like, oh, no wonder I was so weird is I didn't have I didn't have any guide. There's no guide. No one goes and tells you, this is how you interact with other kids. This is how you keep a friend. This is how, this is how you stay, you don't, you know, alienate people by saying weird things that are going on in your head. And because those things aren't clearly explained to me, um, I came up with my own set of rules on how to interact that was totally different than everyone else. And that's how I kind of coped was I just trying to found, I found some solace in being a little bit of a weirdo and it's like, okay, well, relationships are weird, but I, I guess this sort of gets me by. And I, and I think that's the experience of most younger people is you just kind of make things up. But for attention deficit and autism, I would saying it's like that, but getting zero feedback. You don't even get the ability to be in a situation, make a mistake, and then realize what's going on. I was literally just, this is what I'm doing, and that's it. Fly by the seat of your pants a little bit. Yeah, so it was crazy. It was pretty crazy. And then, you know, there's other things of just not knowing why I'm different, right? Like, there's always that feeling of, why is this not working out? And I think a lot of teenagers might have felt that. But I think for me, it's just, it was even on a different level because... I literally had no clue and I, I was a friendly person and I had a decent amount of friends in that, but, um, that, yeah. So no, there, there's a lot of kind of challenges that way. And again, you know, getting straight sixties in school, even mm-hmm. though, and then every once in a while getting, you know, like I'll ace things out of the park and yeah. you know, I'm in on those things, but it's just like, uh, yeah. So, uh, I think another thing, actually, one thing I did have was I remember, doing multiplication tables and i was me and my friend we were the two kind of best at math in our class we would do these like 100 problem sheets i'd rip through them all and it's like in like five minutes the rest of the class is doing it for the whole hour and then okay we're done what do we do next oh here's another sheet of 100 questions i'm like bam done okay what's next here's another sheet and then i just went well, this is stupid. And then I stopped doing that. <laughs> like, uh, Mr. Whatever, I get it. Can't you say that I understand this? Can we do something else, please? But uh, listen, yeah. I want to ask, what would you tell a kid who, who, who's sort of experiencing the same things that you experienced, um, who feels different and who's not sure why they feel different? And they sort of are starting to question themselves and, and um, I guess they don't really understand it. What would you tell them? How would you motivate them to like not be concerned? Because I always tell, even though I was, I was a teacher actually, um, so what I found was that a lot of the time, the reason that the reason that a lot of the same kinds of kids get 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 looked after in school is because it's the teachers, it's the people who enjoyed school that go to teachers' college because they want to go back to school because they enjoyed it, and then it's all a bunch of people who all got good grades and who all can't relate to people who don't get good grades. And so a lot of the time, I found in my experiences, it's because I was a gym teacher for a little bit, right? So I didn't have that experience. I didn't I didn't have to do any of that stuff. So I found that a lot of the kids who had the same kinds of struggles that I had, um, not that they were getting neglected or left behind, but they were misunderstood. And I would tell them oftentimes, like, it doesn't matter what your marks are. You put your best foot forward and not in some like cliched way, like a bumper sticker or anything like that. But honestly, the skills that you're learning at school is how to put your best foot forward. For me, the skill that you're learning at school is not to memorize information. It's to develop a work ethic. And that's what I told kids. So what would you tell kids who were sort of struggling in this, with the same things? 
Um, again, this is kind of, uh, you know, I'm just an, just an average dude. I'm not, a, I would say, an expert in kids' mental health or, you know, planning in that. And I was just thinking about that question and saying, well, you know, what kind of things? I mean, one thing that jumps to mind is to know yourself and to really, you know, find your focus and all, you know, all those kind of, you know, good, feel good things. But I really think the actual message should be that I think encapsulates every single person and not just attention deficit or your autism or anything else. I, I really think the main message should be is that it gets better. Uh, I, I recently saw um, a photo come up in my Facebook feed from two and a half, two years ago. And it was the start of my, my business launch of market pie. And, you know, we had like 150 people come out and, you know, I was all dressed up to the nines and I was given a speech and there was a photo and, um, the audience, your audience might not know this, but, uh, my last two years have been a bit of a hell. <laughs> I went through a lot of struggles. I, uh, which we can maybe get into in a bit and all these other things. And I was just looking at that photo and the, the thought that came to me was, is like, I had no idea what I was just about to go through. Yeah. I did not realize that I was about to, you know, lose all my income. I didn't realize that my wife, my, my wife's uh, accident that she's in, that she got a concussion was going to last even up until now. And I didn't realize that I would kind of lose my, my wedding business. And then I would be moving back with parents and all these other things that I didn't know at the time. But I also thought, well, I'm still here. I made it through. It wasn't fun. <laughs> I did make it through and it is getting better. And I, I would say that would be the main message that if any younger person needs to hear and they needed to be reminded of it all the time is, is that you, it, you're going to be failing, you're going to be making mistakes and it's going to feel like things aren't getting better, but it does. Yeah. And, you know, yes, there's that, there's that school of thought that says, you know what, well, there's this certain percentage of the population where it does not get better. Their life just keeps getting worse, 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 for sure. But I think the pursuit of, and the hope of knowing that it does get better for most people, if you stick with it, is going to be the self-fulfilling prophecy that will save a lot yeah. more people. Um, but the more, and then maybe the more practical side too, is just to, you know, just to be honest with yourself and to, to seek help, you know, but I think that's it. I think before I dilute it is it gets better. Yeah. So I, I don't want to move on actually, cause you mentioned something and I, and, and I was going to talk about it later on, but you mentioned it now. Um, so I want to talk about some of the adversity that you've had to face. I know you mentioned it a little bit just now, but, um, particularly how did you get through it and how did, did having like ADHD and being on the spectrum, how did it affect the way that you dealt with this and moved on? Cool. So I've already kind of mentioned it, but, uh, my wife was in a car accident about two and a half years ago and her and I had a wedding business together. We're both wedding photographers. And at the time I had just started a, uh, the marketing company. I I've been doing marketing for many years before, but this was the first time that I was actually saying, you know what, I'm going to invest in it. I'm going to get some employees. I'm going to set things. I'm going to go, go hard on it. I got a business partner and everything. And 
as we know, when we start a business, you don't get a lot of money. You're spending more money than you're making. But I had this other business that was kind of our income and going to be, you know, paying the investment of, of that. But when, and we ran business and I felt pretty competent. You know, we had run a successful business. We got in 25K in debt and then we got out of it. So in a, within one year, we had, paid, we had actually paid off 25K of debt, which is, I was like, hey, if we just do, even if we just do the same as last year, that means that we're actually going to profit 25,000. Yeah. Like, you know, like that's like, Hey, we actually made it. We had lots of reviews. We're consistently knocking things out of the park. That's great. And uh, I was the main person in the company. Uh, but then I realized that Ness was doing a lot of uh, the other, you know, at, you know, more admin stuff, follow-ups. And I just kind of figured that, you know what, I'm pretty good at this business thing. Um, you know, I'm going to work a little extra harder to make up for the fact that Ness is no longer doing the wedding stuff for a bit. Um, you know, I'm just gonna, you know, just push through it, you know, kind of, there's that, that phrase again, but what I realized, unfortunately, well, too late was that the reason why I was doing so well in business was that I had support when I was off making the big decisions and doing all the meetings and making people feel comfortable following my processes and all that. And I was doing all those things. Great. I had support of someone remembering to follow up with clients someone else to remember to thank people afterwards, remembering to send those emails up ahead of time before the meetings to make sure that those meetings run on time and get booked and don't get missed things. You don't waste a lot of time driving out for no reason. Someone to remember to do those taxes and all that other stuff. And pretty much a business that wasn't making me money with my other business in the middle of a wedding season, having to learn how to do these two things at once and I did literally, I worked 80 hours a week. Like, you know, when they talk about hustle, I worked my butt off and I just failed everywhere. <laughs> like I, I have this one post that I haven't looked at in a year or two, but it was literally just the documenting of everything that I failed at. And I was just like, and it wasn't coming. I wasn't being self-critical. I was being objective. I was just like, Okay. It's introspective also. This is, yeah. And, but that's how my brain works. I'm pretty open to being self-critical without taking it personally. Right. But yeah. anyway, so the attend, what, this is what really got me serious about thinking about my brain and how it works is because I actually said, I got to a point where I'm like, you know, I have to actually figure this problem out. I have to actually understand why this disaster happened because if I don't figure out why this disaster happened, when I thought every, my life was going up and up and I thought was, um, going well and this is Gary why Gary Vaynerchuk is brilliant because he says success tricks you I was so doing so well at business not just because I was good at business but because I was good at business when I was supported properly right. and once that support you. was taken away my true colors came out is that I have no hope on my own yeah so it took a lot I mean I'm gonna have to you know it was two and a half years of just constant battles and all that but what I did figure out at the end is that I had to be really realistic and do some research. I had to understand, okay, this attention deficit disorder thing, you know, um, I used to like to pretend it wasn't a thing and saying, you know what? Yeah, sure. Maybe I have some problems with focus, but you know, still got to push through. I had to say, okay, what are the areas? Like what actually happens to people? What are the signs? What are the triggers that happen? What went wrong? What do I see happen when things go wrong? And what would have been the thing that would have solved it? 
And what I started realizing really quickly was, and this was where that Dr. Charles Barkley guy was, is he says, he said that if you have attention deficit, you, you have to acknowledge why you can't do something, but it's not to be, to excuse you from the responsibility of it, but to make you even more responsible to saying, if you want to run a business, if you want to serve clients well and not muck it up and forget to call them or forget to do that thing for them, then you need that ex you need to take responsibility and get the external responsibility because when you have attention deficit, timelines don't matter to you. Things that are far away don't matter as much as the things right in front of your face, like a YouTube video or that email that just came in that's not really important, but it's right in front of your face right now and you forget everything else. So I had to actually consciously say, I need to outsource all these things I suck at. And I need to have someone who manages not just my business, but they manage me. Right. I have someone who makes sure that I actually go through my process in the morning and I, I tell her everything that I did yesterday so I don't forget an important meeting or something that was said. I make her pin me down and go through my emails, but she filters out all the bad ones. So all I have yeah. to do is focus on the ones I need to do. And, and then she just kind of goes, and then we, she just goes through my day. I tell her what I want to do. I'm still in control of my yeah. life. I'm deciding where I want to go with the business. I'm doing all of the work of strategic planning and all that. But once I tell her, all her role is, is just to take it, take what I tell her in the past because, and make sure that present Mike is doing what the past Mike said he needed to do. Yeah, no, for sure. So I, I something that you said about like focusing on the things that are right in front of your face. So I actually recently, and I mean like four days ago, maybe a little bit more, but within the week, I turned off notifications on my phone. Mm. except for email. And I, I tell you what, I'm a different human being afterwards. My, my, I know it's been a week, but in the past week, my relationship with my daughter has improved immensely. And I had a great relationship with my daughter beforehand, but I just, I, it was, it was, it wasn't like I, it wasn't like I needed to see anything that was going on on my phone. I just needed to keep on distracting myself. And like right now, like I have to like tie my hands behind my back because I got a pen in front of me and I'm going to start flipping it around my fingers and it's going to be distracting on the screen. So, so, um, like, like you're saying, like something's in front of you, you just kind of want to grab it. Right. And that, that's sort of what happens. So I want to ask something that you touched on for, um, just for a quick second is if you look at something like entrepreneurship, mm -hmm. so it, it's something that's been glorified, right? Especially with Gary Vaynerchuk coming in like oh, entrepreneurship. It's awesome. In reality, it's tough. And oftentimes it's anything but glorious. And particularly the same can be said about hustle. Like mm -hmm. everyone talks about hustle as if it's some like sexy thing. In reality, if you actually look at it and anybody who's actually hustled knows it's the exact opposite of anything that's sexy. So you want to talk about hustle, let's say you're working three jobs, none of them are, are, are impressive jobs so that you could build up enough of a safety net that you can start a company and then work for one year without having a cent of income or taking a penny of income from it. So that afterwards in a year, you can finally run it like that's hustle. And there's nothing good about that. And you don't look cool when you're doing it. But for some reason, people on the peripheral want to talk about it as if it's some amazing thing. Like, yeah, hustle. Like, it's very impressive. But it's impressive because it's, it's, you become the true master. of it's, it's impressive like dieting is impressive for me. But obviously a little bit more intense. But actually, maybe not even. So it's impressive like that. But then there's ADHD, where people who, where people who struggle to sit down for like a second 
they proclaim all of a sudden that they have ADHD. They're telling everybody they have ADHD, whether or not they actually do, but even more, not only do they say that they have ADHD, but they're trying to wear it like it's a badge of honor. So based on what you're saying and something that I think that I never really thought of beforehand is that possibly the reason that they're doing it is because anybody who has ADHD knows that knowledge of the fact that they have ADHD isn't an excuse, but rather an actual incentive to be more accountable. And one of the reasons that I'm thinking that people like to say that they have ADHD is the exact opposite. And it really frustrates me to the, when people just will, like, like willy-nilly say that they have ADHD because I'm trying not to say it because the last thing in the world that I want it to be is an excuse. In fact, I don't like it when people have ADHD because they might think that I have an excuse and I don't want them to think I have an excuse. So even more when people who don't have anything and they say, yeah, no, I have ADHD, it really does get to me. So why, why else or why do you think that people are so eager to, to announce that they have ADHD, to, to, to diagnose themselves with ADHD? Uh, I, I think we'll, uh, we'll, I'll defer to uh, Mr. Gary Vaynerchuk on the same topic. I, I think the two things is one, uh, they don't want to be held accountable uh, for one. And two, I, I think some people put it a bit of as, a, as it becomes kind of an identity and they kind of put it on a pedestal. Um, I asked Gary Vaynerchuk actually, um, cause he's always talking about, you should be authentic. You should tell your truth. You know, you should, you should, the thing that you're afraid to talk about is your biggest vulnerability. If you can't say something to somebody, are you, because you feel afraid or something of, of telling them something that's your vulnerability. If you have an employee that you don't feel comfortable enough to correct, cause you don't want to hurt their feelings or whatever, that's a vulnerability. Cause that employee is going to walk all over you. Right. Um, so I asked, but I'm saying, okay, well, I have autism, attention deficit. So how do I talk about that without it just seeming like I'm just glorf, you know, like, you know, doing all these things you mentioned. And what he said was, is don't put it on a pedestal. It, say what your truth is. And when talking about hustle, this is why, again, I love Gary Vee, is what he's saying when he says hustle isn't that you should work yourself to the bone. What he's saying is, is if you have the audacity to make a claim that you're going to be the next big thing and that your business is going to be massively successful and you're going to go all in on business and be, be the man, what he says is, is that you need to make your life accountable to your aspirations. If you have the, uh, if you have the, um, the goal of saying, I want to have a nice little side business. I want to grow it. I want to learn about it. I want to have some fun with it. Uh, I don't want to take it so seriously that it takes over my whole life. That's totally cool. It might take you 10 years to make it uh, fully profitable for your time kind of side, but it'll, it'll get done and it's going to work with the, your, your stated goal. But if your goal is, is I want to be really big in two years or I want my business to double in the next, you know, 90 days or the next, you know, like then what Gary says is then you gotta, you gotta actually work 18 hours a day because that's what you've just said you wanted to like, that's what you've done there. And what, where I think it is, is people like the use ADHD as, as an excuse is they like to come up with reasons why they're not reaching their goals. For me, I know what my kind of goals are. I know how much I kind of want to make. I need to make. I know that I'm patient enough that if it takes three or four years to get there, I'm okay with that. 
because I'm not living my life in a way that I'm going to like, you know, be massively huge in like the next year or two. It might happen because I'm doing all the right things. Um, but, uh, but that's it. I think that's why people use it is they use it as an identity because they don't have one themselves. So they use these labels to make themselves feel like, you know, more of a victim or more of a, more interesting than they really are. When I think people are interesting. I, I think if you talk to anyone, especially in a podcast like this, if you talk to any person for an hour and just ask them questions, eventually you're going to find something interesting about them. And 100%. I think that's, I think I that's what think people so need to hear is that they're interesting as they are, even yeah. if they're not Elon Musk, I think they don't need these labels and their identity to be shaped by that. Yeah. Just deal with the real problems. So it's, it's actually funny. One of the things that I do with my clients is obviously they, they create videos for themselves and then I go and promote those videos and then to build a brand. So all of the questions I get all the time is like, oh, I don't know what to say. I don't know. Like it's, we call it a why video, right? You want to talk mm -hmm. about why you're doing what you're doing. And they want to think of something that's so brilliant and existential and massive. And they're like, well, what is, but, but why, but why? And they're just, they're trying to dig so deep. And it's like, at the end of the day, you, you're going to say, as long as you're talking from yourself and not like from some ideology or from, some, from something, as long as you're talking from your heart, you don't have to think. Like you're going to say something that nobody else, number one, nobody else knows unless you've told them. But number two, you're going to say something that nobody else can say because nobody has the same experiences as you. So like, for example, like I'm talking to you. I, I didn't look into any of your qualifications. You had one post that was like, oh damn, that's really smart. Yeah, I can relate to a, not everything, not everything that you said, but a lot of things that you said I, really resonated with me. You're probably sitting down in front of a computer. I'm going to put what's on my head into the screen right now. And you just did it. And, and, and you had no idea because all you're doing is writing what's on the forefront of you, not even what's in the depths of, of whatever, you're just writing what's on the forefront. And I'm reading this and I was like, oh, wow, that's brilliant. In your mind, it's not brilliant, it's, it's just what happens. But that's what's so great. If you actually listen also to Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary Vaynerchuk isn't like some philosophy teacher. He sits down, he tells you what actually is going on in his head. He doesn't sugarcoat it. He doesn't try to make himself look grandiose. He just says stuff. And it's like, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's great. That's great. That's great. But so many people resonate with that. And I think that's the biggest thing is that stop trying to make yourself more interesting. You are interesting. Everybody has, and this, you know, like when say like everyone's special, which basically means nobody is, it's not true. Everybody is special because there are things about you that are not true about any other single person in the entire world. It literally doesn't get more special than that. It doesn't get more interesting than that. So like you're saying, I think just be yourself. And I think that's a good answer is that they're trying to make themselves more interesting than they are. But what they're I doing people, is the exact opposite. I think people, the whole thing of being real and understanding your own challenges and limits, I think being okay with the fact that you're going to suck at marketing or you're going to suck at talking about your issues for at least four or five years is really sobering and freeing. Uh, if you go back to some of the videos that I was posting like five years ago when I started doing some marketing stuff, oh boy <laughs> take that post that i made there where it's like you know i've condensed like that's a condensation of like five years of struggling to say things and walls of text and videos where i ramble on and all of a sudden being able to comp after five years finally getting it down to you know i can't i can't uh the reason why i have trouble doing things is the same reason why someone who can't taste anything else other than high fructose corn syrup, why they can't lose weight. 
Like just that, that whole compression could only happen if I sucked at it and I allowed myself to suck at it for four years, knowing that I knew that at some point after doing hundreds of these videos, I'm going to get better. Yeah. A hundred percent. So is there a flip side to having ADHD? Like, is, is there some way that ADHD could be beneficial? Yeah. I mean, I mean, again, the statistic in that post I used, um, and I, I'm fairly sure that's an accurate statistic. Um, but it was just pulled from a one article I found was that, uh, there's this case, the, uh, someone with attention deficit is 600% more likely to start a business than a neurotypical person. And so that's important to think about, right? Is that when you think about people that are not, that aren't just going to be status quo, are going to be the people who have the inability to focus on status quo long enough because they're on to the next thing. Yeah. Um, attention deficit isn't just ooh shiny squirrel distraction. What it really more about is is that there's something on your head in on your mind that is taking a priority off of what would most normally be the normal set of things that a person should be concerned about. And what that allows you to do is it allows you to get into a spot where you're thinking differently than the average person. You're concerned, like I'm more interested in revamping my processes than I am about actually implementing any of my processes. That's why I have a team is because if I was the guy who wrote down my process, this is how I coach a client. This is how I take a person through I care more about revamping that document than I ever do about actually doing it for anybody. I would be so happy to just sit around and think about how to make things better than I would to actually make anything better. Yeah. And because that's how my brain works, that allows me to, to spend more of my, I can, I could do that for 16 hours a day straight and not stop. Whereas the average person after a couple, an hour or two would go, okay, I got to take a break put this aside. There's some more pressing matters to me right now. To me, it's like, no, the only thing pressing is this thing, this itch I got to scratch. So yeah. attention deficit does give you that ability to focus on really interesting problems. Um, but yeah. So if you could, um, if you could snap your fingers and then not have ADHD or ADD or be on a spectrum, what do you do? <sighs> Oh man, that's a tough one, man. I, I was asking my wife that actually a bit ago is like, if somebody came up with a little magic pill and it would take it and it would make you no longer autistic, would you take it? And I, I don't even know how to even answer that. I don't even, I would be even wary about sharing that one publicly because that, that one's a, that one goes deep to everyone. I don't know what you feel about it, but for me, it's so weird because I don't want to make uh, a variation in how a brain works. Yeah. I don't make that my identity. I'm not autistic. Like I am not autistic. I'm right. a person that has that, that brain has, has been developed that expresses autistic traits kind of side. Right. No, I understand hundred like, percent. These labels are just ways of analyzing and expressing a set of outcomes of how we, how we actually work. Right. Um, but on the flip side is like the reason why I'm so successful at analyzing people is the fact that I have no ability. I have no ability on my own 
to read people. I don't have any intuition. So when I'm, if I'm talking to someone and they're bored out of their skull, I would never see it. it I, I might be able to figure it out after a while, but it's really hard. So what I have to do instead is I have to think about what's actually interesting. What's interesting to people? What are some time limits that I should put on? What's a, what's a good way of making sure that you engage the audience and ask questions and give them space to express themselves? I have to come up with all these yep. systems and analyzing to make it happen. And if I didn't have autism, well, I wouldn't need all that anymore. So it's, that's one of the things I put it in God's hands because yeah. I, 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 you know, this is what I'm dealing with now. If it's taken away, great. If not, I'm going to just deal with it. Yeah. yeah. So my answer to this question, and I obviously didn't want to say anything before you had answered because I don't mm -hmm. want to sway your opinion. And obviously with the caveat of understanding that I think that you're dealing with something a lot harder than what I have to deal with. Um, I think my, my ADHD is, is, is less extreme than yours, but I would answer no, because that's why going back to before, like when everyone would try to moderate, but everyone would try to accommodate me. I didn't need accommodations. I needed modifications. I need, I needed the teachers to stop focusing on all the wrong things. Stop asking me to memorize a bunch of information and let me build up ecosystems from scratch and let me do things that nobody else could do because my brain works in ways that nobody, nobody else's does. So the answer to that question I would say is no, just like I never really cared when I was younger, when I got bad marks, because I knew that it didn't mean that I was stupid. Despite what everybody else thought, um, I knew that it didn't mean that I was stupid. I knew that it meant that I was just different. And mm -hmm. I think, I think, at least just talking to you right now, especially like there are things that you're saying that nobody else is equipped to say. There are insights that you have that nobody else is equipped to, to give because your brain works so differently. And I think the biggest thing that people say that I think is so naive and so ignorant is that this is in some way like stupidity and it's just mm. such a misunderstanding. And, like, and also, it, I think it's important to say it out there just for those people that, you know, might be dealing with some other things is that there's always a spectrum for the levels of, of, of difficulty that people have. Yeah. Uh, I, I get a sense between me and you that you're, that you and are similar to me where you're still relatively functional. Uh, there's some people that deal with variations of this that are completely unfunctional. Like they, you know, it ruins their life on a day. Like for me, it took having to get into a situation. I mean, I had troubles holding down a job. I would never last it more than a year at a job. Uh, I would do really, really well. I would rise through the ranks, get promoted, and then I would just explode, go to the next job, you know, et cetera. Uh, but that's manageable. Like that's, yeah. most people deal with that. It took the actual business situation to really get bad. Whereas other people is they're on a, you know, they can't hold a conversation down. They can't maintain any relationships with people. And for those people, they might have a different experience than you or and I, but that's why I would also saying is like, I, I think some of these questions they need to, you need to have a hard conversation with an expert, with people that deal with this, that know better. And that's another message to people is that there is that help. There's groups out there, uh, that disseminates, that can give you at least the basic foundations of what you need to do, right? So that you're not trying to figure this all out on your own. Yeah. So as a final question, um, I had a couple more, but unfortunately we're just, we're just, uh, we're jiving so much. It's just taking a long time. Um, but as a final question, what, what do you want people to know about ADHD? And more specifically, what do you want people to know about you? Hmm. 
Um, what do I want people to know about attention deficit? Uh, I would just saying as in general, I'd like everyone to understand. And I think this whole accident that I went through and my, by going through my own mental health, the struggles and depression and, and everything else, what I really think we, what I really take from it, which is incredibly has really been life-changing is an empathy even in, for me, it's more of an analytical sort of empathy, but that understanding that every single person on this planet, whether your neuro, your attention deficit spectrum, or even if your brain works just kind of like the average person's and it's completely kind of normal, everybody's struggling with something and everybody is one situation away where their life is, can be completely turned upside down. And how that manifests in the day-to-day. -day. Now that I see how hard I tried and I know there's, I don't have a shadow, any, there's not one doubt in my mind that when I was dropping clients and not delivering because I was incapable, I was putting in every single thing I had and it didn't matter and didn't work out. And so what that kind of lets me to believe is that there's probably other people that are messing up for, uh, for me when I hire them or when I'm talking to them or one of my friends or people at church that aren't pulling their weight or in an organization that you might be part of, um, that there's probably a reason for it. And it's probably a lot more complicated than they don't care. They're a bad person or uh, they're a failure or they're a write-off. And I really think that's what people should take away from conversations like these is that we really have to be more supportive of each other even the people that we don't like. Yeah. Um, what do I want people to know about me? Uh, I'm an overcomer. <laughs> I've made it through um, some really tough things. It's not the hardest things that anyone's ever had to deal with, but I'd like to put forth that it's probably, you know, maybe I, you know, it wasn't the easiest bit of life that uh, I've, that, you know, that's out there, but know that I've gone through some stuff and that I'm, I'm there to support other people. I'm there to understand and to listen to people and that I really believe that it does get better. Wow. Okay. Um, how can people get in touch with you if they wanted other advertising services or just to discuss something with you? Ah, oh, yeah. I'm a, I, I love meeting people. If I can help anyone, whether it's for business or just if something resonated, uh, LinkedIn and Facebook are my two big kind of stomping grounds. It's Michael uh, Pacito and Michael is spelled E-A-L. Um, also, Market Pie is also out there for the business side of things. Uh, so Market Pie is again on all the major social channels. Um, yeah, just send a message. Follow me if you just want to follow and get the updates and uh, but if you do, if you do want to join me on it on, and actually follow me more closely, I'm always up for, uh, for, for open connections and, and meeting interesting people and just trying to support everyone and the world every way I can. Okay, Michael, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. I, like I said before, I do think that there are some insights that you've given that I don't think anybody else is equipped. And I think one of my favorite things about you is you continuously say, I'm not an expert. I'm not an expert. I'm not an expert. And before I mentioned that I don't like to talk about something unless I'm qualified to talk about it, but you're hundred percent living that because you hear you are on a podcast. I'm literally asking your opinion. And it's almost like, I feel like you're possibly right now to people who are listening to this, like you're gonna, they're, they're gonna follow you and they're gonna see the things that you're doing. Um, and it's almost like you're trying to get away from the spotlight, trying to, trying to not be 
like the leader in this because you're like, I'm not qualified. But I think that's something that's only endearing about you. And uh, I, again, I appreciate you being on the show. So thank you so much, man. Dude, I had a great time. Thank you so much. And I really uh, appreciate all the effort that it takes to consistently uh, maintain something like this. So I, I of all people know what you're going through and uh, it's uh, definitely impressive because I had a podcast too and I'm still, I, I got to, I put that one on hold. So <laughs> you're, okay. you're, you're doing it, buddy. Keep it up. It's easy when we get guests like you. But anyway, thank you so much, man. Appreciate it. And we hope to have you on the show again soon. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Real Marketers Podcast. I hope you found it valuable. Your success is my success, so I really want to see you grow. Please share this podcast to other realtors that you think would benefit from it. And if you want to take your business to another level, go to boarddigital.com and book a time to talk. Otherwise, I'll see you next time.